0: Thank you for tuning in to the audio podcast of Renaissance Church, a new church plant located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please check out our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like more information about joining the launch team of Renaissance, or if you would like information on how you can partner with us to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. So I have a question. How many people like to travel? Raise your hand, okay. Okay, well, wait. I don't mean like being in cool places and seeing cool things. I mean like the process, like trains and buses and airplanes and airplane food and layovers and boats and rickshaws and whatever it is and hotels. Like, okay, how many of them are like, okay, actually, I strongly dislike the process of traveling, right? Okay, I'm somewhere in between, you know, airplanes are great because you get in the plane and you sit down and they feed you and they usually give you movies to watch, so it's like, yeah, this is great. Um, But, you know, yeah, the process can be very, very stressful. Travel can be a very stressful experience and usually it comes with two kind of, like, there's a tension between these two emotions. There's usually, like, anticipation, like, where are we going to go? What are we going to see? This is going to be awesome. And then there's anxiety, right? There's, like, oh, gosh, i got to travel, and if you're taking a flight, it's like, okay, what if I get stuck in the middle seat of the airplane between two massive guys, like, on their way to, like, compete in, like, a world's strongest man competition, right, and you're just kind of stuck there in the middle, and they're both, like, leaning on you and sleeping on you, and they both have, like, body odor, and, like, and then you're sitting there, and you're like, i got to go to the bathroom, like, all these are things that can happen in traveling, right, and they can be very, very stressful. Something can always go wrong, can always get delayed, can always get lost, and it can be a miserable experience. And we haven't even talked about, like, traveling with kids, because that's a whole other thing. We'll save that, right? Recently, my wife, Abby, was traveling, and she was actually traveling on her own, and she went somewhere, and she was coming back through Toronto, and she got stuck, and it was late at night, and she was supposed to be able to go to a hotel room, and she couldn't, and she calls me. It's like midnight, and I was asleep, and I was like, "I, I don't really know, uh... Let me see if I can help you. But I was like so asleep, finally she was just like, it's okay, I'll handle it, right? And so she figures it out. She ends up, she can't find a hotel. She spends the night in the hotel and um, it's not a, never a fun experience, right? And she was telling me, she's like, airports are really weird in the middle of the night. Like, what are these people doing? Like, why are they wandering around the airport, right? It's weird, right? So travel brings up anticipation and anxiety. Right? And we, like, life can feel like this as well. Like, we can go through life knowing, hey, I'm excited about this, but I'm anxious about this. Like, there's all kinds of things that we face, the, anticip- the anticipation and the anxiety. Things that bring joy, things that bring difficulty. There's a book, well, a well-known classic book, many of you may have read it or may be familiar with it, called Pilgrim's Progress. And Pilgrim's Progress is a story following the life of a fictional character named Christian as he goes through the journey of life, to a place called the celestial city. Along the way he meets struggles, temptation, danger, discouragement, bad decisions, and times when everything is great. So this story is considered an allegory, which is pointing to it's like a picture of a it's a, a lot of symbolism of things, right? But it's pointing to the day in day, day in and day out journey of following Jesus. It's kind of the the big picture of him heading to the celestial city, this idea of heaven, this idea of following Jesus, but it's an allegory of all of that. So as Christians, as for those of us who follow Jesus, we believe that this world, what we live right now, is not all there is, right? We believe that the Christian life is almost this, this idea of a pilgrimage, of going somewhere, heading somewhere. And we're heading somewhere with anticipation. And we know that there are ups and downs, there are good days, there are bad days, there's joy and there, there's pain, but we keep going on our pilgrimage, knowing that one day we will arrive and like in the story of Pilgrim's Progress and this idea of this celestial city, meaning we will arrive in the presence of God. We will be with God. Our journey will be complete when we are one day in the presence of God. So we can view the Christian life in this way. It's a journey. It's a pilgrimage. It's going somewhere. Along the way, through our journey, through our life, where do we find hope? Where do we find strength? Where does our help come from? And the simple answer this morning as we prepare to get into God's word is from, from God. That he is our help. He is our hope. And so the main idea for this morning is this. The Christian life is a journey, and our help comes from God. So this morning, if you're listening, if, you, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, ask yourself this morning, where are you finding your strength? Where are you finding your help? And I hope that as we talk through this this morning, that you're encouraged that you're reminded that God is with us, that He is strong, that He is mighty. You might be here this morning, and this may be uh, you may be asking a lot of questions. You may be curious. You may not say, Hey, I'm not really a Christian that I would say, but you have questions. But I would challenge you this morning to consider the reality that life is a journey, heading somewhere, that you're either heading towards God or away from God. You are looking to someone or to something in your life for help, for hope, for strength. And so I invite you this morning to consider the goodness and the grace and the greatness of God and the invitation that he gives to stop stop going your own direction and follow him. So I challenge you to ask yourself those questions this morning as we walk through this. So we're going to look at um, the book of Psalms. We're going to look at Psalm one twenty one this morning. So if you have a Bible around you, you can look that up. It's towards the middle of the Bible. If you would like a Bible, if you don't have one, you're welcome to keep one of those. It's our gift for you, and it will also be on the screen here in the moment. So, here in a moment. So we're going to read Psalm one twenty one today. We're beginning our new series called Overflow of the Hearts. So let me give you a brief synopsis of where we're heading with this series, then we'll kind of circle back to Psalm 121, right? So overflow of the heart. So for the next seven Sundays, seven weeks, we're going to be in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is in the middle of the Bible, and it's a collection of 150 psalms or songs. The, book, the, the, the word psalms in the, like the Hebrew language means book of praise. Right? So it's designed to point us to God. It's designed to show us the experience, really, of the people, the Israelite people, as they worshipped God, as they followed God, through, through really through um, hundreds and hundreds of years. So the book of Psalms expresses an overflow of the heart to God in rejoicing, in gratitude, in worship, in pain, suffering, fear, honesty, and the emotions that we face in everyday life. And we see in the book of Psalms that through all of it that God is good, God is faithful, and God is strong. So we go through this, we're going to see that there are various types of psalms. We're not going to preach 150 psalms. That would take a very long time. But there are various types of psalms. And so this series is going to cover seven different types of psalms. So today we're going to talk about a psalm called Psalms of Ascent. So we'll get to that here in a moment. Um, Next week, Psalms of Confession. What do we do when we know we've done something wrong? Third one, psalms of thanksgiving and praise. How does our heart, how can our life overflow with thanksgiving and praise to God? We're going to look at a psalm, a a type of psalm called messianic psalms, which sounds really complicated. It means, though, it means that these psalms point to Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior. We'll see that in the book of Psalms. Then we're going to preach about one, and this is good. Here's your word to remember, imprecatory right? Here's what this means. This is going to be an exciting week, right? It's basically this idea when you read Psalms and the ones that say, God, destroy my enemies, right? And we're like, okay, what is happening here? These things are intense, but we're going to to look at those and see what they're for. They're very useful for finding parking in Montreal, so wait for that. It'll be good. No, I'm I'm joking, but uh, so that's a type of Psalm. We're going to look at Psalms of Lament. What do we do when we are broken when we are sad how do we cry out to God in that lamenting and sadness and grief and then finally we're going to look at what I would call missional psalms the psalms that are saying God how can we proclaim to other people your goodness and your greatness and who you are so kind of the outward focus thing so that's I'm just giving giving you an overview here so why did we choose this idea of overflow of the heart it's because of this we we can be honest with God In our lives, it's very common, we value being real and authentic, not fake. Well, so do the Psalms. The Psalms are not fake at all. They're real and they're authentic. That is how God values that honesty that we bring. God values that and doesn't want us to be fake with him. The Psalms give us a glimpse of daily experience of God rather than just knowledge about God and they're about the highs and the lows of life. And when we read through the book of Psalms, we see people communicating with God on a very real, very honest, very emotional level, communicating with God by simply letting their hearts overflow to God in the good and in the bad. This is a beautiful thing, right? We don't have to be fake. We don't have to come to God as if everything's all put together, but we can come and let our hearts overflow to him. Because we see real pain in the psalms. We see real joy, real fear, real anger, real brokenness. And so as we jump into this, know that you can interact with God honestly. He's God, right? You're not going to throw him off. You're not going to surprise him, catch him off guard. He will never be like, man, I did not see that coming, right? He knows. He's God. So why not be honest with him? The month of January, we went through a, a series about prayer and um, during that time, I was reading a book called A Praying Life. But there was a lot of things in that book that also just kind of prompted even this series. So this is, this is a, a quote from that book, and it's talking about prayer, but really it's talking about that idea of communicating, interacting with God. It says this, Jesus wants us to be without pretense when we come to him in prayer. Instead, we often try to be something that we're not. When we're interacting communicating with God, and you don't have to be. We can be ourselves, we can come to God with honesty. The only way, this is still a quote from the book here, the only way to come to God is by taking off any spiritual mask. The real you has to meet the real God. He is a person. So instead of being frozen by your self-preoccupation, talk with God about your worries. Tell him where you are weary. Don't be embarrassed by how needy your heart is and how much it needs to cry out for grace. Just start praying. This is overflow of the heart. We don't come to God saying, okay, I got to clean this up, I got to fix this, I got to do this. We come to God with the good and the bad, and we let our hearts overflow to Him. So take off the mask. Take off the mask that says, I have to look and be a certain way with others or with God, and realize that we can come to Him honestly, letting our hearts overflow. We think about this idea of being on a journey. As we go through this journey, along the way, we can pour out our hearts to God. You and I can know and experience God in our lives, and not just know about him, but to know who he is. The Christian life is a journey, and our help comes from God. All right, that was the introduction. guys with me? We good? It was a long introduction today, okay? So you can kind of nod your head, yes, we're awake, we're good. All right, so we're going to go to Psalm 121 and read that this morning, and it will be on the screen, or you can read it there in in your Bible or on your phone. Um, So let's read this together. Psalm 121, it says, a song of ascents. It says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth, So let's walk through this this morning and see what we are learning this morning from the book of Psalms. All right, to give, again, a little kind of some overview and a little bit of context with this and talking about Psalms of Ascent or the Psalm of Ascents. In In the book of Psalms, there are 15 psalms that are labeled a Psalm of Ascents, right? So what does that mean? The term Ascents was applied to someone going up. Or going on a journey so it has this nature of movement with it this traveling and movement most likely this group of Psalms were designed to be sung while going up to Jerusalem as Jerusalem was at a higher elevation than all the surrounding areas and that's where the temple was located so they had a very different structure long ago with the Israelite people where they would go to the temple periodically to worship to make sacrifices all of these things and so it was a process It wasn't just like saying, okay, we're going to go to church. It was this journey that they would take to go up to Jerusalem. And these psalms were designed to be sung, to be recited, to be remembered as they went on the journey, as they went up to Jerusalem. In Psalm 121, what we just read here is a simple but beautiful reminder of God's protection and care. If you look back in this passage that we just read, it said he is, he is the God who keeps us. And that word keeps, it means he guards, he protects, he upholds. And if you look at it, that word keeps or keeper is in there six times. Six times in eight verses. It's like, okay, this is almost overkill. Why does it keep saying this? Unintended. Sometimes we have to be reminded, right? As people, we need to be reminded of things very, very often. And so this psalm said he is the God. He is your keeper. He keeps you. He keeps you as you come and as you go. He guards you. He protects you. So the Psalms of Ascent are about going somewhere, about journey. And that in the middle of the journey, where do we find our help? Where do we find our hope? Where do we find our security? We're going to look at that this morning. The Christian life is a journey, and our help comes from God. We're going to look at two contrasting points this morning, two things. So the first one is hope and help, and the second one is perils and protection, right? I hope you enjoy the alliteration. I will do my best to keep the alliteration happening, right? Hope and help. So we read verses one and two again, and what's it say? I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I love mountains, and yesterday we went to New Hampshire, and we got to drive through all kinds of mountains, right? And we kept telling our kids, guys, look at the mountains, and one of our children was like, I don't care, I'm reading a book, we're like, just enjoy the mountains, right? So I love mountains, they're beautiful, they're majestic, right? And so when we read this scripture, it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from? If you're driving through mountains, it's a natural thing to look up at the mountains, right? Um, I did not grow up around mountains, so I love being around mountains. So as we look he's saying i lift my eyes to the hills i look to the mountains and he asks himself a question where does my help come from so he asks himself a question and then he answers his own question like we do this often like where did i put my phone oh yeah it's on the table right if you talk maybe you talk out loud to yourself right um it's it's okay but then if you have like roommates or someone else they're like what are you doing what are you talking about right so he's doing this he's he's asking himself a question and then answering it he says where can I find my help I lift my eyes to the hills where does my help come from and it's a good question picture someone on a journey walking along looking at the mountains and saying where does my help come from because we ask the same thing every day in our lives where can I find hope where can I find my help where can I find my security and my safety Where can I find that feeling that everything's okay? Where do we look to find that? We're hoping, we're looking, we're searching for help. Some more context on this. God had called the Israelite people to worship him alone. But often, they worshiped other gods and they began to worship other things. They began to ignore God, and they began to say, well, this deity over here that these other people worship, that seems like a good idea, or that idol seems really great. Like, that will give us protection from, you know, sickness, and this idol will give us protection from the sun, or this the sun God will protect, you know, all these different things. And they often ran away and looked to other things, and yet God had said, I want you to worship me and me only. And so during this time of this psalm, there were, A lot of the the false gods, the pagan practices, a lot of these things actually happened on mountains, on hilltops. If you are here a few weeks ago, Abby talked about this during the kind of as we were beginning worship time, saying that in the mountains, these false temples, these temples to these pagan deities and these things would happen and all of these things would happen in the mountains. They would go to these high places. It would have been common to look to the hills to find help. That's what this language is good again. It would have been common for someone to say, well, go to the mountains and look up there and find protection for this or that, go there. So it would have been common to seek these false gods, the false gods for health, for security, for safety on a journey, for financial gain, whatever it was. So this this verse is saying, what can I look to for hope? Do I look to God? Or do I look to these other things, these other gods? Can they help? Can they save me? So for us, what does that look like? We can look for help and hope in a bank account that has, like, enough money in it. And we're like, okay, we're good. I'm good. If my bank account has what I think it needs, then I'm good. I'm happy. Right? Or we can look for our help and our hope in, like, this carefully laid out 10-year plan. We're like, okay, this seems great. And if everything goes great, then I am safe, I'm secure, I'm happy. We can look for our hope and our help in the perfect relationship. We can look for our hope and our help in literally escaping to the mountains, like, hey, I need a vacation. Like, if I could just go away for a while, then I'll be okay. Maybe if I just get away and rest and relax and everything will be fine. But we know, deep inside, that these things are not the answer. They're temporary, they're not permanent. To say, what are we looking to And does it actually provide security and safety and help and hope? I read a quote from uh, uh, this guy named Amesius. He was an early early church father. And he said this. He said, in times of trouble, we are too much inclined to seek help from those things which cannot aid us. That's our natural as humans. That's what we naturally do. We run to things and we think, that's it. That's going to make me happy. That's going to solve all my problems. And yet, if we really logically think about it, we know it's not. Because we do it with big things and we do it with dumb things. Ooh, if I could get that phone, that'd be awesome. Everything would be great. If I could get this, if I could get that. And yet, deep inside, we know it doesn't help. We, our natural instinct is to run away from God and to run to other things to try to make us feel okay, to try to make us feel secure. Right? So if the writer of this psalm looked to the hills and looked to the false gods of the day to bring him help, he would never get it. It wouldn't work. He could go and go through some process, but it would not be permanent. It would not be lasting. Now, here's the thing about the, who wrote, the guy that wrote this. He knows that, right? He immediately answers his own question. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Verse 2, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord. Our hope and our help comes from God. Nowhere else. Nowhere else do we find peace in our hearts, contentment in our hearts. Our help and our hope comes from the Lord. And he says, my help comes from the Lord. Who? The maker of heaven and earth. He points to God as the creator, as sovereign, as over all things, as over all other deities and gods. God is the one who literally made the mountains. It's as if he's saying, why would I look to the mountains for help? I look to the God who created the mountains. Lift up your eyes. Look to God for your help and your hope in the middle of the journey. He says, I lift up my eyes. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. What does it mean to lift our eyes to him, to look at him? This is a common thing in scripture. We see this a lot of looking to Jesus, lifting our eyes, looking up to him. I think it means that we are putting our trust in God as the only source for our help and our hope. That's what it means to look to him. Different chapter in the book of Psalms, Psalm 34, verse 5, it says this. It says, those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed this idea of looking to him lifting our eyes to him it, it it means that we are saying i have faith that god hears that god helps that he is my hope so to look to him is more than just like physically looking up it is saying god i don't have anywhere else to turn but i'm turning to you because you are my help I lift up my eyes to the hills. My help comes from the Lord. As we go through the journey of the Christian life, we look to God as our hope and our help. We are searching, asking for help. How do we get it? How do we find what we need? And we see that our help is found in him. Our hope is found in God. Our hope and our help. So part two this morning, second second uh, thing, perils. And protection. And we'll see this as we walk through the rest of these verses. We move to verses, verses 3 through 8. Let's we'll just read this again real quick. It says, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Now we read these. Are these verses saying that if we look to God, everything will be great? If we look to Him, we won't face difficulty, we won't face trouble, everything will be smooth. No more stress, no more stumbling along the journey, no harm will come to us. I don't think that's what these verses are saying. Why? Because it doesn't even make sense. We know that that's not true. We know that life is difficult. We know that even when we look in the Bible, we are promised that if we are following Jesus, we will face difficulty. We will face suffering. Suffering is a part of the Christian life. We would, I wouldn't want to follow a God who just made everything great. I know that sounds strange, right? But we put our hope in him, and along the way, yes, we still face trials. We face trouble. We know that to be reality. If it wasn't true, then this whole thing would be like, this is a weird, fake thing where i got to hold up my end of the deal so God does his end of the bargain. That's not how it works, right? That's not how the Christian life works. So then what are these verses getting at? Because it, said, it says, you know, he will not let your foot be moved. He will keep you. He'll guard you. We can look at it this way. Journeys are hard. We've already talked about this. Travel is stressful. and Especially during Bible times, right? Imagine if you said, we're going to go up to Jerusalem and it's going to take us a few days and we're going to have to find somewhere to sleep and we're literally going to be walking along the road and the sun is going to be hot and the night brings all kinds of dangers and they're going along. He is not, the, the writer of this psalm is not telling us that this won't be difficult. Journeys are hard. These, these verses describe the difficulty, right? We can, as, on our journey, in a physical journey, or if you were hiking or walking, but think about this metaphorically in life, right? We can slip. We can stumble. The sun, he says, the sun won't harm you by day. Well, I recently was in North Africa and did not wear sunscreen and was burnt really, really nicely and peeled for days, right? This is the sun. If you're traveling on a journey having no protection from the sun, that will, like, make it hard. He says the moon will not harm you by night. And so there's a lot of poetry in the book of Psalms, and the moon can poetically represent the dangers associated with nighttime. Like, traveling at night, hiking at nighttime was, is dangerous, right? Um, and there's thieves, and there's all kinds of things, and there's robbers, and all these things happening. The dangers of pilgrimage are difficult. The emotional pain of traveling for long periods of time and just wanting to be home and all of those things. The physical danger. The way is perilous. That's why he writes this psalm. It's a dangerous journey. When we go through our Christian life, it's hard. It's not easy. And we face temptation. We face Persecution. We face real issues, real problems, real discouragement. We face fear. We face times of saying, I'm done with this. I just want to give up. There's got to be an easier way. That's the reality of the Christian life. And that doesn't seem too joyful, but let's keep going. Because what did Jesus say about this? In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's talking to his followers, and he says, In the world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. He acknowledges, right? What's he say? But take heart. I have overcome the world. So we read this scripture and we say, well, it says, I look to God as my help. I will never, my foot will not be moved. I won't stumble. I won't, the sun, I'll be guarded from the sun. And yet when we look at the whole Bible And we see what happens, the reality of the Christian life. Jesus said, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Take heart. Have courage. Jesus has overcome the world. He has defeated the enemy. He has conquered death and evil. So when we look at these verses, here's what we see. God is our constant protector. He does not slumber or sleep. And I love that reminder, this idea that we don't have a God that just goes and takes naps and falls asleep. He is constant. He is strong. He is mighty. He is our protector. He sees all things. He knows all things. He is with us. When we read the verse here in verse 7, it says, The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. I think that verse is central to what this passage is saying. Because God is our constant protector. He doesn't take breaks. He doesn't take vacations. He keeps us. He guards us. God is our keeper, meaning that he is sovereign, that idea that he is over all things. He sees the big picture when we can't see the big picture. He guards us. He protects us from harm, from evil. He is with us in the journey. And then we see that God is faithful. He doesn't stop. He doesn't give up. He's guarding us at all time. He watches. Verse eight says, "The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in, both coming, sorry, coming in from this time forth and forevermore." As we go and as we come, day to day life, He is faithful. He is with us. He is guarding us. So the the Christian life doesn't mean that we're free from trouble or peril or trial or difficulty. What's it mean? It means that our hope is that God is holding us. He will not let go of us now, tomorrow, or forever, or ever. He will keep us from all evil. It doesn't mean that we won't have difficulty, but it means that evil will not win. Evil will not conquer us. We will not be destroyed. Jesus has conquered death. Jesus has conquered the enemy. Evil has not won. And so we read Psalm 121 and we see this journey and we see that along the way, yes, you will face things. There will be difficulty. God is with you. God is protecting you. But at the end of the day, in the trials, in the difficult journey, he says, I will keep you from all evil. I am holding you. You don't have to fear. You don't have to worry. As you go through your life, as you face the journey, I am with you. I'm protecting you. I'm guarding you. You are mine. When we are in Christ, He is guarding us and protecting us. He, evil will not win because God already has. If you want to look at the screen, we're going to read from Romans chapter 8, verses 35-39, through 39, and it says this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake... on the journey, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. Evil will not win. We will not be conquered because he is holding us, because he is constant, because he is strong. We lift our eyes. We look to him for our hope and our help, and we see that he is strong, that he is good. And even in our weakness, even in our struggle, even in our brokenness, he says, I've got you. I will not let you go. Nothing can separate us From the love of Christ, that is in the love of God, that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He will not let go of us. That as we go through the Christian life, the Christian life is a journey, and our help comes from God. As we think about this this morning, and you think about your own life, think about the difficulty and the struggle and the good things and the bad things. This morning, lift your eyes to Jesus. Turn your heart towards him to look to him and say, God, where does my help come from? I'm looking and I'm searching, and I'm searching. And then we can stop and say, but God, today my help comes from you. You are the maker of heaven and earth. You are strong and mighty. My help comes from you. When I grew up, I was part of a church, and we sang this song often. You may know it. It was a song that said, Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. To look to Jesus is to say, God, I'm looking to you. There's all this stuff happening around me, all these things in my life, all these fears and struggles and all these things, but I look to you and when we look to him, those things become strangely dim because we look and say, God, you are strong and you've got me. I don't have to walk in fear. I don't have to live afraid that I'm not going to make it through this journey because God, when we are in Christ, he is holding us. We don't have to fix ourselves. We don't have to pull ourselves together. We don't have to save ourselves. This is the message of the Bible, the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus is that you and I, we're broken, we're sinful people. We have rebelled against God. We've said, I'll do it my own way. I'll look to other things to find my help. I'll look to things that have been created rather than looking to the creator. And we run from God and we say, I'll do it my own way. And the Bible calls this sin. And our sin isn't just like, well, you've got some problems. Our sin separates us from God, and we can't fix that problem. We can't get back to God just by being better or just by working harder or just by pulling our life together. We're separated from God. We're stuck in our sin and in our brokenness, and we start running to all kinds of things to try to fix our brokenness. We start running to things to make us happy. We start lifting our eyes to the hills, to these other things. Ooh, maybe that'll help me. Maybe that will help me. But the reality is none of it will. But the good news of Jesus is that God has loved us enough that he sent his son, Jesus, who came to earth. And Jesus was born of a virgin and lived a sinless life. He always kept God's standard. He did everything God required you and I didn't. And because of that, we deserve punishment. And yet Jesus kept God's standards. And Jesus gave his life on the cross. And when you read the story in the New Testament, they took Jesus up on a hill. And I love this imagery of the cross on a hill. where well, we can say this morning, lift your eyes to Jesus. Imagine looking up to the cross and seeing Jesus, the perfect, sinless Son of God, giving His life for you because He loves you. Taking your place. Dying for you. And we lift our eyes and we look to Jesus as our Savior, as our help, as our hope. And when we look to Jesus, when we put our faith in Jesus, And we say, God, would you take control? I want to give up this life I'm living. I want to give up running to other things to find my help. Jesus, I look to you. You are my help. You are my hope. And in that moment, when we put our faith in Jesus and turn away from our sin, we are forgiven. We are made right with God. Our sin and our guilt and our shame are removed. And we are made right with God. We are brought into relationship with God and forgiven. And it's then that we experience God in our lives, that he holds us, we know, we have confidence that he never lets us go. And our hope is both now and for eternity that we are held by God, that we are safe in him. So this morning, be reminded that your help comes from the Lord. You don't need to look anywhere else. You can You can look all kinds of places. You can spend your life looking all kinds of places. We believe that the truth about God is that we will only find our help and our hope in him. Our help comes from the Lord. Secondly, for those of you who have put your faith in Jesus, if you are a Christian, be reminded this morning, be encouraged. He is holding you. He is with you. He won't let you go. When we, feel like it's, when we feel like everything's falling apart, we can put our faith and say, but you are holding me. You are strong. We're going to continue in worship this morning. I'm going to have um, the, the band come up as we begin to worship and we begin to sing. The song that we're going to sing next basically says the words of this psalm. I lift my eyes up. My help comes from the Lord. And so this morning as we sing and as we think about what we have read, how do you need to respond? Maybe you need to pour out your hearts to God. Maybe you need to say, I have these fears. I have these difficulties. I have these struggles. Pour out your hearts to him. You don't have to be fake. You don't have to pull it all together. Just say, God, I need you. Maybe this morning, maybe you need to put your faith in Jesus for the first time. Maybe you're not following him and you need to say, I need to turn away from going my own way and I need to begin walking towards Jesus. I need to put my faith in him as the only one who saves. If you want to do that, we'd love to pray with you. If you have questions about that, as we sing, as we worship this morning, respond to God. Maybe this morning you just need to look to Jesus. You've been looking to all kinds of other things. This morning, lift your eyes to Him, the Maker of heaven and earth, our God who is strong, who is mighty.